0: You're listening to Quintessentially Mental, a podcast hosted by Sure Eyes. Please note that this host is not a mental health practitioner or professional, and this podcast is not meant for treatment of any mental illness. Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobab.org. Hey y'all, this is Quintessentially Mental, the podcast, and I'm your host, Eyes. Today's episode is called Nothing to See Here, yeah, folks. <laughs> um, inspired by you know, just thinking on the the early parts of my journey on on mental health and how, you know, our families almost ignore what's going on um, or pretend it doesn't exist. Um, And so that's kind of what I'd like to chat about today um, is really how we cope when we feel unseen or unheard or like what we're going through isn't acknowledged um, especially by the people closest to us our family you know the people we live with the people we identify or the first people we identify with um and i think you know it and, and obviously the effect of that on our on our mental health um so for today's episode, I'll be chatting to a very good friend of mine. Um, her name is Nicole jamond She is. We've probably been friends for about twenty odd years. We met in our first year of high school way back in two thousand. Um, and yeah, I think you know we we we've we've watched each other grow and supported each other along our. Our individual mental health journeys, um, and obviously, as teenagers, watching us struggle with angst, as we we navigate depression, anxiety, um, again in our early adulthood, me at university in Cape Town, um, going through quite tumultuous relationships. Um, and then again, as adults, you know, or more more matured adults, um, and so we we have a pretty long history together, and have quite a strong understanding of each other's family responses to our individual mental health journeys. Um, if I if I reflect on my own um, my own journey, I remember as a teenager. Feeling like I didn't belong. Um, feeling, you know, as I as I've mentioned in a previous podcast, I'm my mother's middle child, and growing up with you know my older and younger sibling um, before the the three younger siblings came along after my parents' divorce, I I really struggled with. Anger, you know, anger towards my parents and their relationship, specifically my father and the abuse I witnessed, specifically my mom and resenting, or not even realizing I resented my mom, only realizing that in later years. Um, but just feeling a sense of anger and feeling like, you know, what I was experiencing wasn't normal and had long time feeling embarrassed by the events in my family, and I remember being probably in about grade nine, um, and back in those days we called it standard seven, <laughs> just a giveaway to to my age. And you know, I, I remember feeling lost, unseen, unheard, um, just like as I said, like I didn't belong, and. You know, I I would go on hunger strikes so to show my you know disgust and upset with the way that my father was treating my mom and our family. You know, I would refuse to eat any of the food that he bought or refuse to wear any of the clothes that he bought, um, and this would cause obviously going without food for. Or, you know, infrequent periods of food would affect one's mood, as I as I now know. Um, and I, I, I think that added to my general sense of moodiness. And I remember my mom saying to me, you know, instead of delving into these, these issues, her response at that time was, well, you're just feeling sorry for yourself. You're just being self-pitying. And and that I guess confused me because I then I then further negated how I felt. I then further, um, you know, pushed down and ignored what it is I was feeling. Because you know, if if my my mom's response was that I'm simply feeling sorry for myself, it then means that my my general sense of feeling whatever that was, you know, as I mentioned it being um just unseen, unheard, you know that, that that was unjustified that I didn't have a reason that I didn't, you know that that it wasn't necessary almost that I was an inconvenience. at another time her words to me were that I was ungrateful and and that stuck with me, you know that, That response really, in later years, made me feel that how could I possibly struggle with depression or anxiety or have any kind of mood disorder when I was so blessed, when I had a roof, when I had food, when I had um, an education, when I had a boyfriend, when I had... Um, access to a great university, when I had friends, when I had, you know, it, those words in later years would really impact my ability to accept the fact that I had an illness. And so I really want Nicole and I to talk about how, you know, our, our families ignoring, whether it's intentional or not, conscious or not, you know based on their individual narratives, if we can really understand how their behavior of ignoring our mental challenges or our mental illness um, affected us at the time and also in later years. So stay tuned, um, we'll, we'll be back after this ad break um, to, to welcome Nicole to, to this discussion. This podcast is produced and hosted by Spudcaster for baubal.org. I'm joined now by a very good friend of mine. We've been friends for way too long, maybe 20 years. Um, her name is Nicole. 20. Yeah, I was been like 13. <laughs> hey, Nick, how are you? <laughs> hi, hi. How are you doing? All right, and you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you for agreeing to talk to me. You're most welcome. We've had uh, we've had a long mental health history. Yeah? <laughs> long to...
1: it goes back a long way, it really does.
0: Yeah, so I think you know, in in today's episode, we're just kind of talking about how when we struggle with mental health issues in whatever form they take, whether diagnosed or not, or you know, whether overt or not, and just the reaction from our families, you know, and because of the, I don't know, in my view, the tabooness ness of it, or like from my perspective, which is the colored angle, which is keep a stiff upper lip and
1: mm. as black people mm.
0: struggle in, in life in general. So what are you talking about? You know, yeah. they, families tend to, you know, just sweep things under the rug or pretend they're not happening. Yeah. You know, and so I kind of look, want I mean, to have this conversation with you um, mm-hmm. because you've experienced almost a similar, you know, you've had something similar based on mm-hmm. your experience with your family.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think it is a, a very um prolific problem, especially in South Africa. Um, you know, look, I can't I can't speak culturally, obviously. Um but uh, you know, from from the people that I've spoken to, and you know, as you've just said, it's a, we've, we come from a very uh, stiff upper lip sort of society, um. You know, and it's not. I think mental health is something that isn't really acknowledged. I think we're getting there, just globally. You know, day by day, we're we're inching towards it being more sort of socially acceptable, or you know, the the discussions and the the. Conversations that we're having around it are, are opening up uh, people and families, especially to to the idea that mental health shouldn't be something to do. But I think especially in in this country, we, we're still very far behind. Um, you know, on a personal level, I have definitely had that experience. It was, you know, I think especially as a teenager, um, I think my family is is doing much better with it now because of this, this uh, shift. But as a teenager, it was definitely, you know, and that was a long time ago, as you know, because we're old people
0: now. <laughs> um, Speak <but> for yourself. <laughs> you are slightly older than me by like a week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure your birthday is a week after mine. <laughs> um, no, but you know, when we were when we were teens, you know, and, and it was it was very impactful. How our families reacted to to uh, mental health. That was when when we really needed the support, um, and I don't think that that we got it. And and I think that is still a, a problem now. You know, we we have these mental health issues, and and it's it's not specific to to one sector of people. You know, it's 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 across the board. Everybody, I mean, and not. Not everybody, but, you know, uh, people from from every culture, from every race, from every, you know, there are people across the board that suffer with these mental health issues. And to have families, um, you know, who who have almost stigmatized this, it can be, it can make seeking help very difficult. Um, You know, it can, it, it can make you want to hide that part of yourself. Because to not be accepted by your family, um, you know it's it's very isolating. So I think, yeah, it's it's having these conversations. I think is important because families need to to be more open minded and to to kind of open themselves up to knowing what these issues are and knowing, you know, if you have a family member that. That uh, is struggling with, with their mental health. You know, learning the the things that you can do to help them, and you know, not ostracizing them. I think you know, especially in the in the African cultures, you know, it's a it's people get ostracized in incredibly, um, quite brutally. I think you know. So why would anybody be open about about their mental health if that's the case? Mm-hmm. And that's very unfortunate because we're closing. You know, we're closing those doors for people. You know, they, they, they don't have the opportunity to to get help. Um, you know, and I mean, personally, on a personal level, having my family, um, you know, my family, it wasn't that they didn't acknowledge it. It was that they didn't know necessarily how to, to deal with it. Um, and they did all the wrong things. And it it led to a, a very a much longer journey of, of sort of having to have to try and figure it out myself than had they, you know, approached the right people or or sought to educate themselves. Yeah. Um I think, yeah, I think it 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 would have been much more beneficial to me much much earlier on.
0: But this is the thing, right? I think at that point in our lives when we're 13, 14, 15 years old, mm. in the normal development of a human being at that point, where there's so much confusion around your identity and fitting in with your family, your social group, your school, your self, you know, mm. and the, the additional layer of struggling with things like depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts or self-harm or, you know, these things that just add an additional layer of complexity to what is already quite a troubling time. And I remember, you know, again, like I'm glad you said that, you know, like my relationships with my mom specifically is in a much better place now that, You know, she's also had her own experience with mental health challenges. Yeah. Triggered by certain events in her life. But at that time where you know she herself didn't have language or understanding, or it wasn't something that from her generation was spoken about. Exactly. The way she reacted to me then with Was very detrimental to me being able to actually cope with what I was going through. Um, And so, you know, using words like when I was, when I, because I I felt this pressure to almost be happy all the time. Like that was the only Mm. thing that was acceptable. And if I, it displayed anything else, it was like I wasn't grateful or I was being self pitying or, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't appreciated for the, the the response to a context that I was going through. Exactly, and, and I think that that hopefully you know it starts shifting, and maybe you know teenagers now have parents who, but it's still not as open as it could be. It's, it's no, absolutely. When we were teenagers, but it's definitely not, and maybe it's also the culture we live in. Right? So, like everyone's an emo kid. Everyone is writing some song about some shit that happened to them, you know, and we are verbalizing our stories a lot more, but not on a, I see it at least not on a, on a real level. It's still almost like very superficial, very superficial level. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know because we're still scared of being judged or if we're like, I know with me, when I had my when I was working in, in Doha and I had like a huge mental breakdown where I basically told a colleague, a partner, like a, a senior to me that I feel very sorry for his whole family, that they have to be subjected to his presence. Like I had a full <coughs> run, like nervous breakdown and so it was translated that I was incapable of doing my job.
1: You know,
0: yeah. the translation and that was only yeah. like three years ago, two years ago. No,
1: absolutely. And I, I think unfortunately we we almost ostracize ourselves still, you know, even those of us that have acknowledged and and um uh come to terms with with the fact that we do struggle with mental mental health and mental health issues and mental illness, you know, I think that we We've also put it on ourselves. I mean, I, it's the same thing for me. I also had a, a period, an episode of the of complete mental breakdown. And I didn't even want to tell anybody because I was quite ashamed. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went into hospital and I planned not to tell my family. And largely that was because, you know, it was so ignored and, and sort of dealt with poorly when I was younger. But it was also because I felt a lot of shame and I didn't want anyone to know that I was going through this period and that I needed to be hospitalized. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think that we, we take that, we take a lot of that on ourselves as well, um, that we don't, we, we, we don't view it as something, not, that, not to say that it's normal, but that it is a part of life and that, you know, mental health for the most part and largely you know, it's a, it, it's illness in to some degree, you know, obviously there's, there's um, environmental factors and, and, and all of that, but, you know, we, we talk about mental illness, uh, but we don't, we don't see it as an illness in ourselves. You know, we still see it as something to be ashamed of. You know, you wouldn't be ashamed of, of having cancer. You wouldn't be ashamed of having diabetes or, or whatever the case is. Why are we still so shameful about, you know, struggling mentally? Um, you know, so as far as family goes and, 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 ourselves, I mean, just on a personal level, that's, that's very, been, been a very, um, a consistent thing through, through my experience of dealing, dealing with my family and dealing with mental health is my own shame around it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that's also something that we need to, to overcome as a society. You know, as you said, we, we speaking about it more, but on, on quite a superficial level, but I think, it's, it's also we, we need to talk about it from, from our own selves and, and, and learn to accept this stuff in ourselves, you know, and learn to, to embrace the fact that that's a big part of who we are. You know, it doesn't define us as people, but it is a part of, of what makes us us and it's a part of our story and it's a part of uh, our struggle. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of in that.
0: it's It's funny to say that we, you know while you were while you were speaking about the shame you felt about a hospitalization, if I think about, I've had like basically four major breakdowns in the past six years, seven years. Mm-hmm. And the first time it happened, I went to a yoga retreat. I did not go to Kenilworth clinic. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm just going on like a self-care mission. You know, I wasn't I wasn't like, yeah, I'd actually need to be hospitalized because yeah. I had you know, overdosed and my psychiatrist was like, yeah, you're a, you're a risk to yourself. So, Either this is going to happen later. voluntarily or, you know, this is, is you know, you're going to be forced to do it. Yeah. And then the last the two middle breakdowns, I avoided hospitalization, but also was quite shameful in like explaining what had happened and like <clears throat> having friends like almost like making a joke out of it or like Mm -hmm. downplaying it. And then in 2019, I was hospitalized for uh, two weeks um, or 10 days. Mm -hmm. And there I was just like, yeah, no, fuck. Like (laughs) I'm in hospital, y'all. Like this is, you know, and my, my, and if I think about what, contributed to me feeling less shameful about it was the fact that I had a support system who didn't feel like I needed to, like I was less of a person or I was, you know, so like even from a work situation, I was in a team where health as a 360 was appreciated. And so I could tell my managers yo like i'm struggling i need to i'm actually really not well i'm going to you know i need to be booked off so that i can go take care of myself exactly and where my family and, was supportive like my sister and my yeah. mom drove me to the hospital as opposed to the first time where i was like yeah let's not even tell them what's going on you know but that's exactly it
1: you know i think having that support and and you know work is is hugely important to have the the support of your colleagues. But you know, just coming back to the to the original topic about family, I mean, I, I think you know a big part of not feeling that shame yourself is is to have your family be accepting of of whatever it is that's going on and be supportive about it. You know, what a big difference it made to you, you know, that your, that your mom and your sister were there. And it was the same for me. Um, you know, I have been hospitalized more than once. And my first couple of experiences were awful because I didn't feel supported and I didn't feel um, that people thought that it was okay that I was, that I was in hospital. Whereas, you know, the most recent time, there was a lot more support from, from my family, from my friends. And I I felt like, okay, I'm actually, I'm doing the right thing here for, for my own mental health and for, for my own, just, as you said, sort of holistic health, well-being exactly, you know? So I think it it, it is important for, 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 families to, to be supportive. And, and obviously, you know, if, if you're in a position where your family isn't supportive, you can't you can't change that, and um, you know you can try your best to change it. But I think more so from from you know if you're a family member and and you're not sure how to deal with it, that's that's important for you to to educate yourself um, and to yeah to to do right by by the person who is struggling to to help them and support them and be there for them. Rather than making them feel ashamed of whatever it is that's that's going on,
0: it's it's crazy. I had a I had a friend the other well, I say the other day, but it was probably some time, probably some time ago. I don't know, like months ago. <laughs> Everything feels like the other day, <laughs> Ooh, child. And her her daughter's dad, so her baby daddy, had overdosed in front of her daughter. Oh wow. My daughter's quite young. And so he was hospitalized, obviously, not psychiatrically but physiologically, just to kind of deal with the overdose. And yeah. he, she texted me and she was like, you know, what do I do? What do I say? What do I, you know, she's so angry at him for mm-hmm. not only doing it, but doing it in front of their daughter. Um and so for her, she was just like, she doesn't know what to do. She's just like people, we, and you can, the way she was talking, you can tell that she doesn't have that much experience in dealing with mental illness herself, but she's yeah. trying to be appropriate and be supportive. And Absolutely. I said, to, you know, she was just like, yeah, but we all get sad. Yeah, but we all, you know, and I say I tried to explain to her, I was like, no, for sure. Like we all experience, the range of human emotions. And I don't, you know, for me personally, I think the difference between, you know, the the functioning person and the non-functioning person is the fact that the non-functioning person becomes non-functioning out of just normal human emotion or normal human experience. You become dysfunctional, you know? And, the, the fact that as a human being, you're able to function with human emotion. Like I'm happy your brain works that way, you know, but that's <laughs> not, not always not the case way. for everyone. Exactly. You know? And mm. and I think that's the thing is we, we don't always understand how mental illness starts. So like, is it my childhood? Is it physio- Is it the chemistry? Is it my hormones? Is it like it's a combination of all of the above? Combination mm-hmm. is it, and we can't pinpoint, right? We can't exactly, like, yeah, it's because of XYZ, you know, yeah. that this is what. And, and even like if I think about people who go through very traumatic experiences, like some of them bounce back and some of them go through major depression. And again, absolutely, the trauma catalyzes it, but you're probably predisposed to a to mental illness anyway. And that's just kind absolutely. of over the edge, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that is a, absolutely. Um, I think that we do. Yeah. I often, often wonder, you know, you look at people that have gone through the same experience and and some people seem seemingly look, no one, um, we can never say what's going on in someone else's head, but some people seemingly sail through things and other people, it sends them into a, into a complete downward spiral. Yeah. But coming back to your friend, I think, you know, the, uh, anger is a very, very difficult one to deal with when you're dealing with a family member with some kind of mental health issue, you know, because oftentimes mental health issues can lead to to pretty shitty behavior, yeah. um, you know, and it, it can be very difficult for family members to know how to deal with that. But I think seeking professional help for you for the family, for the family member who's mental, who's got the the mental health issues, you know, it's so important. And, you know, the problem is that, that most uh, uh, people that have never experienced some kind of mental health problem, sort of, there's a stigma around seeking help, you know, people that, that have never had a, had depression or anxiety and have never seen a, a therapist Those are the people that are usually that are usually shocked by the fact that someone's seeing a therapist. Yeah, but but there's there's no harm and there's no shame in in seeing a therapist if if your family member is struggling with mental health, you know, so that you can learn to
0: learn how to to manage
1: that and learn to cope with it.
0: But I think that Um, that, sorry to interrupt you, like very important point you've just raised, right? And I think there's certain illnesses, so like people with cat, with terminal illness, right? Mm-hmm. Where the family members of those with terminal illness usually receive some kind of counseling mm-hmm. or therapy because, you know, you need to also deal with the situation or where there's been a death. Exactly. You know, obviously there's the surviving people who yeah. are going through support systems and meet up with other people in similar situations. And I think it should be the advocacy for therapy or counseling or some kind of support, whether it's a support group or whatever, you know, for people who don't struggle with mental health challenges or have mental health issues, but have people in their lives who do. do. Exactly. And I think – it, it's not. It's it's not something that's like. It's usually you with the problem. You must go see therapy. You must oh. fix it, and you and you, you, you have yeah. to fix it. Up to
1: you to change everything about yourself to suit everybody else, and and to some degree, you know, it's not to change yourself for everybody else. To some degree, it is your responsibility to to advocate for yourself and to to advocate for your own own well being but at the same time you know i think it's it's important for for families and and not just family but you know if you've got a partner with 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 a mental health issue to to learn the best ways to work with that person to manage it you know i think that's exactly what you've said is that we expect the other person to just suck it up yeah. you know, and fix it. Um, that stiff up a lip and and pretend that everything's fine. And but I think it's 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 so much more nuanced than that. And I, I think to be able to support someone is one thing, but to be able to help somebody through that journey in learning your own coping mechanisms and learning how to work within these parameters yeah. of of what's going on that can make a huge difference to, to someone's mental health journey.
0: But I mean, it's the same as like parents with kids with special needs. Exactly. Right. Where this is just like a special need for your brain. Exactly. No,
1: but it is, it is a special need and to some degree, you know, it's a, it's whatever your emotional, emotional state is. And, and it's, it's, it's there right now. Yes, it may not be there forever, but this is the situation. And this is, this is where your, your, your mind is right now. How are we going to work with this? How are we going to, as a team, as a unit, a family or a, a couple or whatever the case is, how are we going to to manage each other um, with this extra variable, this extra parameter that's been thrown into our lives, you know, and we and, there are so many things that can be done, and I think just being being more communicative, um, being more open, it makes a big difference, and it can make a big difference to both parties. Because I think it's very difficult for, for a family member who's dealing with someone with mental health issues. It can be very hard um, because it can be exhausting. It can be emotionally exhausting. yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes you do just want to throw in the towel and be like, I can't actually deal with you anymore. Yeah. But there are there are ways through that, and you know, learning to 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 manage that, you know, and I think that that it makes
0: it it makes it more
1: manageable for everyone involved.
0: How did I mean, given where you were twenty years ago and with your family, and where you are mm-hmm. now, you know, um, what do you like if you actually, to like maybe try and identify? one or two things that helped turn that interaction with you around, right? Where Mm. was, you know, was it just being able to find more ways to deal with having a daughter, a sister, a niece, someone with, you know, mental health issues or, you know, did they actively try to educate themselves or, you know, what was, like, if you could just identify maybe one thing that you found to be quite pivotal in the way their interaction with you changed?
1: Look, um, you know, obviously I got older uh, and that was, <laughs> uh, I, I got a lot more vocal. I think as a teenager, I really struggled because because they made me feel so ashamed. I, I didn't feel like I could talk about it. As an adult, I feel a lot less shame, regardless of what people say. So I've been able to, to speak about it much more, um, you know, without, without worrying about, about what their response is going to be. And ironically, me being more vocal about it and me being more open about it has really sort of made it more okay for me to talk about it. So the more I've spoken about it, the easier it has been to talk about it. And the easier it has been for them to sort of I have guided the process of them learning to deal with it. Um and them learning how to 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 deal with me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. well so you learn to deal with yourself. Right. Like, well exactly exactly. You know, and 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 I learned not to 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 shy away from, from it and, and to pretend like nothing was necessarily wrong, you know, look, I'm still, (laughs) still very sort of um, I'm not particularly uh, talkative about my mental health in general, but that's just who I am as a person. But when it comes to, you know, issues that like going into hospital or whatever the case is, I've learned to, to be open about it and to just say, you know, look, this is where it's at without worrying about, about what the response is going to be. And surprisingly that has led to the response being better, you know, as opposed to me internalizing everything acting out and then the response being bad to my acting out, you know? So look, I don't, I don't know that there's a, a magic wand or a secret formula, but I think, you know, we also as people that are suffering if we have people around us that are not helping us in the way that we we need them to we also need to tell them what we need we can't expect people to just guess you know and that's been a big a big thing that i've learned over the years especially with with partners you know um we we kind of just have this hope that, that people are going to to do what we need them to do without us saying anything, and and that's un, unreasonable. It's, it's an unreasonable expectation. If we can be more vocal about what we actually need, um, you know, obviously it's it's still up to that other person to 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 do that. But the chances of your 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 needs being met are much higher if you're actually vocalizing what your needs are. But um, I
0: think it takes a level of understanding yourself and understanding. And I think what you, mean, what and you and said about what you, mean, you got older, you know, like hmm. I remember early on in my mental health journey or my mental health illness, I guess, it was, man, I was as confused as the next person. You know what I mean? I, was I saying, remember, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on <laughs> i remember i was there <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's now only when you can be like oh okay i need X, Y, Z, A, B, C, one two three to be able I agree. to agree but you know you're
1: never going to know until until you you look at yourself and you work on it and you look at it you know you you stop reacting um you know and and actually assess what you need right now. You know, I'm not saying like, like the bigger picture, but, but stop and go, what is it that I feel I need from my family right now? And can I ask them for it? Um, you know, and I think, yes, there are going to be occasions where where, where families will disappoint us. But I think perhaps if we ask, we might be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Um, you know, and that, that's definitely something that's that's gotten easier with age. Don't get me wrong. I think this advice that I'm giving now, if I had given it to teenage self, my my teenage self, well, oh, your teenage self would be like a younger my, self, like exactly. You could have had some <laughs> like chirpy response to. It. Well, also because I, I don't think that I would have felt it would have been possible as a teenager. Yeah. Um. But you know, then I just went and sought my support elsewhere. Um. You know, because ultimately we we do we we'll, we seek out support if it's coming from our family or not, you know, if if you've got what you think could be a supportive family, but, you know, they're just ignoring it because they don't know what else to do, then, you know, your, your opportunity to, to perhaps change that is much higher. I mean, for me, I just, I had so many issues in my family. I don't even think it was an option,
0: Yeah. but,
1: you know, so I don't, I don't know there, there's no,
0: there's no template for, for this kind of stuff. That's meant yeah. I think that's that's dealing with mental wellness in general, right? It's first like of the bullet, right? It's like navigating it's a on a daily. And yeah. what worked today might not work tomorrow, but at least yeah. you know you have that thing in your little toolbox and you're like, I can pull Absolutely. It. And
1: that's it's a, it's a good point you make. It's about the toolbox. It's about adding things to that to that um, coping toolbox every day, you know. And and so anytime you you have a problem or or you 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 hit a, a speed bump, you can go to that toolbox and go, what do I have in here that is going to help me get over this particular um, you know particular period of time? Um, and I think family. Family support is is just one of the things in that toolbox. So if it isn't there, then we find other things to replace it with.
0: This is very true. Friend, thank you for indulging me. Oh, thank you. For I would love me. to like have another another invite you for another conversation where we can talk oh. a bit about our respective hospitalizations. I think that, <laughs> I think that. <laughs> I think there's the stigma that, they, you know, you're electrocuted or you're in a padded room or like, you know. I would have loved to have been in a padded room. I feel like like that would have been amazing. Um, I would just bounce. Eh? I'd have bounced the shit out of my like I would just be like, you know right. What?
1: You would I happen if running from wall to wall and just <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would love to.
1: Um yeah, I have plenty to say about hospitalisation. I have plenty to say on mental health in general.
0: You know, it's been it's been a long a long 20 years. Yeah, hopefully we can we can continue the conversation. I really appreciate cool. your time, Nicole, and hopefully we'll awesome. we have another opportunity to call. Fantastic. We'll chat soon. All Take care. Cheers. You too. Ciao. Join us after the ad break when we continue the conversation. Baobalb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobalb.org welcome back to quintessentially mental the podcast hosted by sure eyes i'm not gonna lie you know having these conversations with people i've known for a very long time and who you know i've either been a witness of being involved in or supported their mental health journey in some way over some period of time has been really therapeutic um you know, where I'm able to learn about myself and gain more insight into the things that help us grow as people. I think an important takeaway for me from this chat with Nicole is that, you know, as much as we allow ourselves the space to grow, so too we need to allow others the space to grow. And I think... It's especially true for when we don't necessarily receive the support we need up front from either our family or our friends or, you know, people who we think should be in our corner and allow them the time to really develop, grow in their own journey, their own education and not hold it against them. I think at the end of the day, we need to accept our humanity Um, that we're not perfect, and that people have space to react and respond differently. On that note, have gorgeous weeks, and I hope to entertain you (laughs) with another riveting mental health conversation in our next episode. Take care, darlings. Um, Look after yourselves, and love yourself and others. One love.